how can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got I to gotta check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. A baseball first podcast. Sort of. Featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is... I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch has got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Welcome in to another edition of Booze and Baseball. It's been a little, a uh, bit of a hiatus for us. I'm Derek Johnson with Dusty Baker. Uh, and I mean, just to kind of peel the curtain back, we've both been uh, going through some stuff. I had surgery, Dusty's been sick, so uh, we're glad to get back to it. But uh, apologies for the uh, brief hiatus, I guess, with so much going on in the MLB offseason. Yeah, Derek and I have kind of been put through the ringer. Uh, This 2021 has honestly been, I think, worse to us than 2020 was. Um, So glad to be back here. It's been, I believe, almost 20 days since we lasted our show. And obviously, there's been a ton going on. And so we wanted to give you guys kind of an update uh, after, you know, Derek and I both battled COVID. uh, And then on top of that as Derek mentioned he had surgery as well so just kind of a rough go of it for us but uh, if anything's gonna get us going it's baseball so Derek uh, first of all before we start what are you drinking so uh, I wanted to go with a old-fashioned I'm gonna use some crown and the reason I'm gonna use crown for this typically I don't use crown for an old-fashioned but uh, as you can see got a nice little Chiefs leather case on the crown so I thought that'd be celebratory and uh, I don't I don't have anything to like actually measure here, so I'm just gonna kind of eyeball all this. I also don't have you know if I was making like an official really good uh, old fashioned, you'd want you know your boozy cherry and your orange peel. I don't have those things, so I'm gonna go the I guess uh, trailer park version of the old fashioned. We're just gonna go a little whiskey. I don't have the orange peel, but I do have orange bitters, and so I'm gonna put. Okay couple dashes of the bitters in there as long as you're getting the orange flavor just added to it because that is a very crucial part of that drink so i'm glad you're doing that and then i've got a little simple syrup and And i'm proud of you derek for uh, making a drink actually on air this is this is something we agreed to for 2021 so finally something's going right this year trailer park old-fashioned but uh, let's get on to our, our first uh, new stuff of the day. And before we get into, because like I said, there's there's a lot that um, has happened over the past couple of weeks, which is nice to see in the MLB offseason. Uh, but some other news as well. And a lot of legends, a lot of MLB legends passing away over the past 12 months or so. And the latest in that line was Hank Aaron uh, over this past week, 86 years old. A guy who, you know, you hear that kind of cliche phrase, 
better person than he is a baseball player. And just think about all the stuff that he had to go through. He was a guy who had to deal with, you know, racism in the sport. Um, even after Jackie Robinson, of course, we know it's, it's still prevalent. And uh, I think he said afterwards, like he wonders how well he would have done if he didn't have to deal with all that stuff. But even despite that, Remarkable career, 1955 to 1973, so uh, like 18, 19-year span. Finished in the top 20 of the MVP voting every season. He had 13 top 10 appearances. He was just kind of a true testament to a great baseball player with consistency and long-term success. He's kind of like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in basketball, like 20 years where he's just averaging 20-plus points per game. And, and that's what's crazy with Hank Aaron. He wound up with the home run record despite never hitting 50 or more home runs in a season. Uh, he had eight different seasons of 40 or more home runs. He had 15 seasons, 15 seasons of 30 or more bombs. And, I mean, it continued till his uh, later years as well. When he was 37 years old, hits 327 with a 410 on base, 47 home runs, 118 RBIs, league-leading OPS, over 1,000. And then at 39 years old, he hits over 300 with 40 more home runs just a remarkable hitter. And I don't know if you've seen the one stack going around about you. If you took away all 700 and whatever of his home runs, he would <laughs> still, still have, 3, have over 3000 hits. Yeah. So uh, great, great baseball player. But again, with everything he had to overcome with what he stood for, with what he did in the black community, just a guy that absolute role model and uh, rest in peace, Hank Aaron. Yeah, and just kind of to quickly echo that as well. I mean, you're talking about somebody that revolutionized the game on and off the field. Um, Jackie Robinson, as you mentioned, kind of was the lead into this, and Hank Aaron just took the reins of that and ran away with it. And on top of that was, as Derek kind of showed you right there with some of those ridiculous stats, was truly a ball player. And uh, obviously, um, growing up a Dodgers fan, I mean, I saw a lot of highlights of positives, but – one that honestly would shock you is I think one of the coolest highlights was the Dodgers giving up a home run. And that was when Downing gave up what would end up being seven fifteen that would break the babes record. That was to Hank Aaron. Uh, and that, that was truly an amazing moment uh, in baseball history. And how about another legend that we lost as well? Um, unfortunately sticking with that Dodgers organization, that's Tommy Lasorda. He passed away at the age of 93. Um, he's a legendary manager, a hall of fame manager. That's a very rare occurrence as well. Uh, you just don't see that very often. And he took over for a hall of fame manager on top of that. So he had a lot on his plate. He was a Dodger member through and through, but on top of that, he was also a huge influence throughout the entire game of baseball. Specifically with the Dodgers, he helped lead the Dodgers to two World Series titles. That, of course, included the 1988 World Series where Kirk Gibson hit the famous walk-off home run in Game 1. He also led the Dodgers to four World Series appearances. But the interesting quote for me from Tommy Lasorda was his most accomplished moment well, that was when he led Team USA in 2000. This was after he was already retired to a gold medal. If you don't know the history of that gold medal, the USA was not projected to win that. In fact, they were given what some people considered it to be the scraps and pieces of the USA. Uh, not many people had a hope in that team. And so Tommy Lasorda found a way to help lead them to a title, to a gold medal. Um, and he said that was definitely his biggest moment, considering he not only led a team in an organization – 
but he also had that opportunity to represent his country. Tommy Lasorda was definitely one of those people that was a true American that was passionate about his country, about his people. Um, you could go through numerous interviews of him talking up all of his players. And uh, I think the best moments was hearing, you know, who would you have, you could choose anybody on your, uh, you know, in baseball on your team. And he would always choose a guy on his team. And so that was, that was pretty cool to hear some of those interviews. He was known as the great ambassador to baseball around the league. Um, he's notorious for blowing kisses to the Giants fans at Candlestick Park. And uh, it's very sad to see him go. But, man, he left a lasting legacy in baseball. Doing uh, my anchoring that night, I, I definitely came to tears, man. And it's emotional for me talking about it now. Uh, he actually signed something for me when I was a kid, you know, welcoming me uh, as the next Dodger. So that was, that was pretty cool to have kind of that personal touch. Uh, but, yeah, Tommy is definitely going to be missed. And that man loved food, by the way, as well, and uh, wine, too. He, he actually, his family still carries on this tradition of uh, the Italian tradition that his family has uh, dating back to creating, you know, different dishes, Italian dishes, and obviously growing grapes for Italian or for wine in general. So it's, it's called the sort of wines and uh, they do a great job over there. And one other Dodger, unfortunately we lost another hall of famer um, was Don Sutton. We lost him at the age of 75. He has so many different records uh, within the Dodgers organization on the pitching side of things. Some argue outside of Sandy Koufax and probably Kershaw as well, that he may have been as good, if not the best in, in that Dodgers realm of pitchers. So a uh, huge loss there, a huge burn for the Hall of Fame as well. And Derek, I mean, it's just kind of crazy looking back at this, how many Hall of Famers we've lost over the past year. Yeah, Andrew Baggerly, who's a uh, beat writer for the Giants, he tweeted out on, uh, oh, what would that have been, Saturday or Friday? In the last nine months, we've lost a little over 12% of all living Hall of Famers. And uh, yeah, that is so heartbreaking for baseball. I know. My personal story with Tommy Lasorda, uh, I, me and a friend went to a, a Dodgers-Giants game, and uh, we had really good seats one time. And uh, we ran into Tommy Lasorda, and my friend asked him, he goes, Mr. Lasorda, can I get a picture? And Tommy Lasorda's response, just in the most Tommy Lasorda way, yeah, but hurry up, kid, I got to take a piss. <laughs> and it was just, uh, it was a classic Tommy Lasorda story. And uh, I know that's for him, that's, you know, doesn't even blip on the radar, but uh, those are the type of interactions with people that they love. And, and that was Tommy Lasorda. And I, I think that's, that's a perfect kind of story to encompass it. So I guess uh, the best way to, I mean, we don't know these people personally, and I'm sure their families are going through it and stuff, but I guess just cheers to them and, uh, fantastic lives all around for for everybody we will never see anybody like some of those personalities like hank aaron or tommy lasorda even don Sutton as well i mean it's just very tough for the game all right let's get on to our uh news segment for the off season some more happy news i guess so to speak how about this one francisco lindor and carlos carrasco were traded since our last podcast they go from cleveland to the mets that's when we knew that this has been a long time because that does now feel like a very long time ago but yes Francisco Lindor the new face of Queens and uh, of course for the Mets fans out there all of a sudden they have something to cheer about uh, there was some bad news unfortunately for the Mets we'll get to that a little bit later but man what a huge haul for them uh, to have a face of their franchise and on top of that Carlos Carrasco is no joke that's a nice add to an already solid rotation that features DeGrom and as well as Stroman 
um, and possibly Noah Syndergaard, depending on his health. But, man, uh, the Mets have all of a sudden made themselves a huge presence, not only in National League East, but in all of baseball. Uh, that is going to be a game changer, not only for this year, but for the future as well uh, under their new ownership. Yeah, I absolutely love the move for the Mets and for the Indians. I mean, we've kind of been, you know, foreshadowing that this is going to happen. They, they made it pretty clear it is going to happen. But it's insane. Like, their payroll is it's, – it's disgraceful, to be completely honest. The fact that you turn a team that has World Series-level pitching, the fact that you turn a team that's been to the playoffs, gosh, I don't even know, like, what, the last four or five years went to the World Series in 2016 – and now you're this, it's, that's pretty embarrassing to me from the Cleveland ownership side of things, but love it for the Mets, complete opposite for them. And like, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised that this is the type of move to me that it's not just about like adding a really good player. It's also about the, the culture change to that organization. And I think the combination of that, like, I wouldn't be surprised if the Mets win that division this year. Well, maybe not. Okay. I, I hold that back because the Braves are really good. But I think the Mets are a playoff team. I, I like that. I, I mean, I think it's a fair assessment. Uh, I would be lying if I said I didn't put money down on the Mets before that trade, and now I'm not too upset about that move. So kind of going to the other side of the city, though, and uh, everybody expects every year the Yankees to be the Yankees. And finally they got their guy back. Uh, it was kind of looking unlikely for a while. A lot of people thought DJ LeMahieu was going elsewhere. There were some rumors about the Dodgers going out and getting him, even the Mets going out and getting him. But ultimately, he goes to the Yankees, six years, $90 million, and that was far from the only move they would make. They also happened to snag Corey Kluber on a one-year, $11 million deal. Of course, former Cy Young Award winner. You talk about the Indians. That's where he made his money, and uh, he was really – dominant there in Cleveland before heading over to the Rangers and couldn't even make it through two innings, unfortunately. And so that ended his short term with the Rangers. And then also the Yankees adding a starting pitching arm on top of that with Jamison Tyon this past week, they got him in a trade for several prospects headed back to Pittsburgh. And uh, we're not going to talk about the pirate side of this, but for the Yankees, <laughs> I think that's a pretty good low, you know, low buy and a possible low risk, high reward kind of guy. I mean, Tyon's still only 29 years old. Um, he's posted several seasons of three ERAs and uh, I don't know. I, I kind of like those moves for the Yankees. I might even like the Tyon move more than the Kluber move. How about you? Yeah, I really like Jamison Tyon. I hope he has a, uh, Nice bounce back. And I think this just gives them more depth uh, really all around because, I mean, DJ LeMahieu to a certain extent, like he is kind of a luxury signing for them. Like they have other guys who could come up and play, but obviously probably not going to be as good as DJ LeMahieu. You look at that starting five now, and I mean, you have Garrett Cole to anchor it. Outside of that, it is some question marks because of with Kluber and Tyon due to injury. Um, and then it's just, you know, like, what are you going to get from other guys? Could it be Jordan Montgomery? Could it be Domingo Germain? Could it be some of the guys that you have uh, who, you know, are kind of highly touted prospects, a guy like Jonathan Loisigia or a guy like Clark Schmidt? Could any of them impact the rotation? It's, it's not a perfect rotation, but I think given what they have hitting-wise and, and having Garrett Cole to anchor that in a good bullpen, I think it's going to be more than enough that – with the Rays kind of taking a step back, to me, they're kind of the clear favorite in the division. One I would look out for as well with the Yankees is Davey Garcia. He was a highly touted prospect for a while. There was absolute gas. I think the problem was really his control ultimately, and uh, I still have some high hope on him. One guy that you won't be seeing in the New York Yankees 
uniform this upcoming year. It looks like at least his Masahiro Tanaka. Uh, it sounds like he's going to be returning to his homeland after talking with the Ruckerton Eagles. Uh, he played for them actually in 2007 through 2013 before coming to the U.S. Man, it feels like Tanaka has been in this league for a very long time, but uh, you know, 2013, that's not terribly long ago. And uh, so he looks like he may not be getting a deal in the United States. Uh, instead, we'll be headed to his homeland. Is is that like that TV commercial? Rakuten it might be. Rakuten I, I, or whatever? It, 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 and then in the division, uh, the other moves that were made, these are pretty big ones. If somebody's going to take down the Yankees, maybe it'll be the Toronto Blue Jays. George Springer, Kirby Yates to the team. Almost signed Michael Brantley, but in the end, he opted to go back home. Uh, but just from the Blue Jays side of things, what are kind of your thoughts on these additions? Wow, what a lineup that team has now. I love the move. And honestly, I think that having George Springer at the top of their lineup, and it's going to be interesting to kind of see how they build that lineup. But think about the young talent that they have on that team already. I mean, you have Bo Bichette, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Kevin Biggio. Um, I think one of the most underrated players actually is Lourdes Gurriel. And so to have that element of George Springer, a proven leader and winner, onto that team that's huge for them Kirby Yates I'm still a firm believer in I know that arms in the bullpen especially older arms like him are generally uh, going to fall off quicker than most however you know he's two years removed from being the most dominant closer in all of baseball and the reason why he wasn't this past year was he was just simply injured and pitching injured and so um, I think that that signing it's a, another low risk high reward and uh, yeah not having Michael Brantley that, that lineup looks really good with Michael Brantley in it. Uh, but even then, I still think that this Blue Jays team is going to be very good. You got to remember that they also have Teoscar Hernandez and Randall Grichik in the outfield. And so I love the move. I think that this is definitely going to be a team that keeps up with the Yankees. And I don't think it's out of the world to say that the Blue Jays have entered the conversation for being one of the best teams in the American League as well. I, I might honestly list them in my top three with the Yankees and also the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, I'd be we'll, – we'll do our divisional previews later, and obviously there can still be a lot of moves to be made. But to me, yeah, I agree. I think they'd be a playoff team for me as well. Uh, even though they do have some questions in the rotation, kind of the same thing as the Yankees. They just have enough hitting – that makes you think they're going to get it done. I mentioned Michael Brantley ended up kind of spurning the Blue Jays in the end. Goes back to Houston. Astros also signed former Dodger, your guy, Pedro Baez, and uh, Ryan Stanek, I believe, who was with the Marlins previous to this year. Thoughts on the Astros after making these additions? Well, I think Michael Brantley is definitely one of the most underrated hitters in all of baseball and has been his entire career. Um, he was a staple in that lineup, and he's going to be even more important now that Springer is gone. So good on the Astros to acquire him. I think a lot of people forget that Kyle Tucker, though, is up and coming. And uh, I do think that he'll, you know, kind of take that place in the middle of the order of Springer, uh, even though Springer is obviously their leadoff guy, just the place of that big bat in the lineup. Tucker will do a good job at that. For the signings of Baez and Stanek, uh, you know, Baez is a solid pitcher. He's not the most clutch at times, but he's got good velocity. It's a fine signing. It's not one I think that really blows your mind that's going to be a huge game changer. Uh, and Stanek, obviously, a very low risk. You're, you're going to get a low, low floor or a high floor, I would say, uh, with him ultimately. Uh, the Astros are really interesting to me. Um, you know, they, they kind of took a bit of a downturn this year until the playoffs. 
But you look at the lineup still, Altuve, Bregman, Brantley, Correa, Jordan Alvarez, Gurriel, Kyle Tucker. I don't know if they have as much depth as they have in the past, but, I mean, the starting five was pretty good too. I I think I might be picking them to win the division, but like I said, we have we have time to figure that out. Uh, the team that you're really high on that you might even have number one in the AL, especially after this signing, Liam Hendricks has signed with the White Sox, four-year, $54 million deal. A lot of money. Uh, this could end up coming back to bite them at the back end of the deals. We know how volatile closers are, but as far as the kind of win-now approach to it, they'll probably get really good value out of this, at least in the first year or two. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, what you just kind of said right there leading into this, I have the White Sox as the best team in the American League. Uh, and that's that signing right there was kind of the big one that kind of closed the deal for me on that. They've secured the rotation. Their lineup is as good as it gets. They needed a guy in the ninth inning that can shut the door. So let's just go get the best one out there. In fact, in our last podcast, however many days ago it was, I called Liam Hendricks uh, the bachelor of this free agency. And man, did he get the pot. $54 million, four years. Matt uh, from The Bachelor, he has more women actually coming back now in the show. They've never done that before. And, and I think that Hendricks's market just kept on growing and growing. And the White Sox finally said, you know what? Take the bag. We want to win a championship. And we're wanting to clinch this in the American League. So good on Matt, the bachelor, for getting more women on the show. And good for Liam Hendricks on getting the most money that I think any reliever will see this offseason and probably in a few offseasons to come as well. You, you mentioned the volatility, you know, at, towards the end of these deals. I think that Hendricks is good enough to where we may not see it as much unless it's that final year, but this guy has put out stuff. Love what he can offer the White Sox, and man, that is one scary team if you ask me. As for the rest of the bullpens, though, out there, I mean, there are a lot of great arms that are either out there still or that are just currently getting signed, including Brad Hand. He signs with the Washington Nationals. That's a slightly less lesser deal than, of course, what Hendricks got. That's a one-year, $10.5 million deal. Kyle Schwarber, also outfielder from the Cubs, signing them to a one-year, $10 million deal. Derek, I know that you kind of have a personal take on Brad Hand and that signing. Well, I just I don't get why the Nationals didn't just pick up his waiver claim because it would have saved him half a million dollars. That just seems like silly business to me. And obviously, if nobody else picked up the waiver claim on Brad Hand at $10 million, wouldn't your obvious reaction in negotiations be, hey, we should probably sign you for less than $10 million because nobody else would have signed you for $10 million. So I, I don't care. I mean, it's a one-year deal. And like, as far as the player getting paid, like from that aspect, you know, I, I have, I'm not the one paying him money. Um, so I prefer the player to get paid more because, you know, that's just, I want to root for the employee, but just from like an organizational standpoint, I just thought that was kind of funny. And then for the Schwarber part between him and uh, Josh Bell, who they traded for, they're going to add hitting, which will be nice, but like they were already really bad at fielding last year and adding Kyle Schwarber and Josh Bell only makes it worse. So I'll be really interested to uh, see the test subject that is the Nationals this year with all their really bad fielding, but possibly pretty good hitting. So, uh, But I guess if they have all these pitchers who can get strikeouts with now Brad Hand and Steven Strasburg and uh, Max Scherzer, then maybe it eliminates some need for that fielding. The Red Sox signed your guy, Kike Hernandez, two years, $14 million. Also got Garrett Richards on a one-year $10 million contract. 
first of all, just with Richards, uh, it's a, a decent ad. I don't think you're going to expect much out of him. He's proven that he can't really stay healthy. Padres ended up moving him to the bullpen, just kind of a, a more of a long role than anything anything else. But uh, when it comes to Kike Hernandez, man, two years, 14 million. I know those numbers don't seem like that. That's a huge contract. And the reality is I don't think that he, he got enough. Uh, I think that he is way more valuable than that. Um, and I think he's going to prove that to Red Sox fans. The point of him is he, he can hit lefty pitching. He can play virtually any position. He's even shown he can pitch. Um, and on top of that, he's a great leader on and off the field plays great defense. Um, this is the one that actually really hurts the most uh, and, and might hurt the most out of any of those Dodgers losses uh, in terms of players. And Kike has been clutched time and time again. I could go over numerous times the two that I'll bring up in 2017 when the Dodgers were in the NLCS against the Cubs game five. He hits three home runs to clinch the Dodgers run to the World Series. And then, of course, last season against the Atlanta Braves in game seven of the NLCS, well, what does Kike do when the Dodgers are down 3-2? to two? He hits a game-tying home run. It's just Kike is one of those clutch guys. It doesn't make a lot of sense. He won't put up the greatest numbers. He wanted to get 500-plus at-bats, the reason why he left the Dodgers for somewhere else. Uh, and I think the Red Sox got a really awesome player uh, that's going to go just beyond the field as well. So definitely congrats to Boston. You know, we, we took Mookie, so here you go. <laughs> you get Kike. It's all fair now. Um <laughs> On to the Padres, who also signed a, a similar guy to Kike Hernandez, kind of your utility guy, and got the same amount per year. That would be Jerkson Profar, three-year, $21 million deal. They also made another trade. I know, it's surprising. They got Joe Musgrove um, in a trade that included Joey Lucchese going to the Mets. Also, some po uh, prospects go in it. It was a three-way deal with the Padres, Mets, and the Pirates. The Pirates get the majority of the prospects, while the Mets get – Lucchese and maybe he's a guy they think they can use in long relief or something. I really liked the season that Joe Musgrove had, and I'm a little hesitant because um, he got to pitch against only NL Central teams, so I think that definitely helped to the numbers. But still, 3.8 ERA, 12K per nine. I thought he had a really good season, and if that's your your five starter for the Padres, that's that's really good. A great ad for the Padres. They just do not stop and. I still think that the Padres have one more move in them, and that's re-signing a guy like Trevor Rosenthal. So expect that to happen probably in the coming days is my guess. And that team is going to be as scary as it gets, really. You know, I talked about how the Mets' positive side was Francisco Lindor and acquiring Carlos Carrasco. Well, unfortunately, one big negative for them, and they addressed it quickly. The Mets have fired their GM, Jared Porter. That was following a scandal of sending unsolicited nude pictures to a female reporter um, and just not really the positive PR that the Mets wanted. Unfortunately, this isn't the first time the Mets have had to deal with this. Of course, Carlos Beltran being involved with the Astros cheating scandal. Uh, that was right when he was getting hired to be the Mets manager. So the Mets somehow, some way get caught in the weirdest scandals. And even when they do look like they're turning the corner, it's stuff like this that just randomly comes upon them. It's unbelievable. It just makes you feel bad for a lot of, you know, females who are coming up in the, the industry and, and what they kind of have to go, go through that things that we as men don't really think about um, that they have to deal with. So uh, 
yeah, it, just kind of a bad situation all around. But I'm glad that the Mets made the quick move and, and kind of moved off of him. Yeah, I, I, I just I think it's shocking that this stuff still takes place. And as Derek said, man, it, it's unfortunate that females have to deal with this. And uh, do yourselves a favor. And uh, how about don't send those photos, gentlemen? Just hold back. Be good human beings. Let's be good human beings in 2021. There we go. All right, some uh, other quick small moves. I'm just going to kind of rapid fire these. Let me know if you have any thoughts. Red Sox traded for Adam Adovino. I thought that was interesting just because it was from the Yankees, which kind of tells me if the Yankees are trading him to a rival, they don't really have a lot of trust in him. Uh, And then they also signed Martin Perez from the Dodgers side of things. They re-signed Blake Trinan. I know you liked what Blake Trinan brought to the bullpen this past year. Absolutely. I mean, he is closer stuff, and honestly, wouldn't be shocked to see if Kenley Jason ends up losing that role to a guy like Trinan or in the future, of course, Brostar Gradwell. Robbie Grossman goes to the Tigers. He automatically becomes one of their best hitters, sadly. Uh, they also got Derek Holland to maybe fill a fifth pitcher, long relief role or something. Philly signed Archie Bradley. I think the most interesting part about this is if you go to like their team website, He's listed as the closer. So uh, if you're into fantasy baseball, maybe Archie Bradley's value goes up a little bit. As far as the Phillies, I'm not like ultra interested in the move. I, I think there's too many good teams in that division. I agree. I think Archie Bradley, though, brings a solid presence to that bullpen, so it'll help. And as Derek mentioned, you know, sometimes some of these ads are only relevant in our eyes for fantasy baseball. I think Archie Bradley may not be the worst move. Uh, late in, uh, Late round pick, if you will. Yeah, I've seen several sites that have him as a top 10 closer now, so we'll see. Uh, Jose Quintana, Kurt Suzuki to the Angels. Nice little supplementary pieces for them. Uh, Marlins signed Anthony Bass. The Twins got Jay Happ, which feels like the most Twins pitcher ever. (laughs) Yeah, they got Rich Hill last year. I mean, they just keep going with these old lefties. It's shocking that they didn't get a guy like Jamie Moyer back in the day. (laughs) And then the Blue Jays signed Tyler, Tyler Chatwood. Nationals got John Lester. They re-signed Ryan Zimmerman. I thought he was going to retire, but that'll be cool to see him another year. This one tugs at my heartstrings. The Braves signed Pablo Sandoval. I hope he uh, makes the Braves roster and does well there. Uh, The Astros got Jason Castro back. And then uh, a couple other moves. Giants signed Alex Wood. I think they'll kind of use him as a uh, maybe like a piggyback guy that goes after an opener goes three, four innings. And if you look at the contract, he has a lot of incentives where it's like based on number of games where he goes like three or four innings, as opposed to it being number of starts. So that's interesting. Royals signed Wade Davis. So they are just, uh, I believe Kelvin Herrera away from completing their 2015 <laughs> bullpen, except way older. Any thoughts on any of these moves before I continue? Yeah, I, I think just going back to that Alex Wood one, um, obviously we've seen him in different uniforms, obviously the Dodgers most recently. And uh, to see him piggyback, I think it's one thing. I think he's still got starter experience in him. I know the Giants are still looking at other lefty arms on top of that, of course, looking at uh, possible players to go in their outfield. So I think the Giants aren't done yet. Uh, but Alex Wood's a pretty underrated signing right there. And I will echo that I'm shocked that Ryan Zimmerman has yet to retire yet. <laughs> and then finishing things up, Cubs got Austin Romine. The Mets signed Jose Martinez, maybe get a little bat into uh, certain platoon situations. And the Diamondbacks signed Chris Davinsky. 
Yep, all interesting moves that will probably ultimately end up in maybe a quarter of them actually going on to do bigger things. This is kind of – those are those signings that the turnover is quick and, uh, you know, one-year deals, one last chance maybe for some of these guys. Some of these guys get a chance to have that opportunity at spring training. Derek, the one question is, when will spring training be? And currently the MLB is planning on having the season start on time. The problem is spring training locations are among the highest in the country with COVID cases, specifically Maricopa County in Arizona, based off a University of Washington study. Uh, There's going to be a decline they project in cases in March, but that's not great when you have pitchers and catchers reporting on Valentine's Day. This is a Cactus League operation appealing only, but kind of your thoughts on spring training possibly being delayed, even though the MLB and Rob Manfred have announced that, yes, there will be 162 games and they are supposed to start on time. Well, the good news is Florida isn't really a hotbed for – oh, wait – because that's the other spring training area. But in all seriousness, like I, I feel like they can get along in, in a creative way. If they can't get spring training in in the normal way, you know, whether you're just doing like workouts at your own stadium and they just have like inner squad scrimmages between, you know, clubs that are close by to you. So maybe you have a, a California grouping with, you know, the Angels and the Dodgers and the Padres and the Giants and the A's all meet up somewhere close by and so forth. They just figure something out regionally. I I think there's something that you can figure out here. But it is crazy to me that they haven't, like, actually nailed this stuff down because we're not too far off from when, like, pitchers and catchers would normally start reporting. Yeah, and talking about nailing something down, finally – The MLB has sent out a memo that the union has rejected the deal for the DH and expanded playoffs. Kind of touch on that. I don't love it, but I get it. I get why the players are doing it. They don't want to give up free chips in negotiation to the owners. That's why. But the end result, I wanted the DH. I kind of wanted the expanded playoffs just from a selfish perspective because as a Giants fan, we have no way of getting ahead of the Padres or Dodgers this year. So I wanted the expanded playoffs for a chance to make the playoffs, but I I get why they wouldn't want to do it. Hey, you got those three World Series in your pocket. You can still enjoy (laughs) those for a little bit. The last topic that we've got here, the expansion, Derek. The expansion, looking at it moving forward. Um, Eno Saris of The Athletic talked about the MLB is looking into the concept of expanding to Portland, to Charlotte. We've heard Montreal and also Las Vegas. Those specifically, those four cities, kind of your thoughts on that. I love it. It's a way for ownership around the league to make some more money because they have to pay entry fees to basically buy new franchises. So you make up some of the losses you had from COVID. I've always thought that they could expand. I've always thought that it makes sense for the NFL has 32 teams. So, you know, add 32 to, to all these, but honestly, there are so many places and this doesn't just go for the MLB. It goes for all the different sports. You could get up to 36, 40 professional sporting teams. There's so many cities that could enjoy specific professional sporting teams. And I think that'd be great to see one that wasn't on there that I would love to see would be Nashville though. I would love to see Nashville. There's a movement towards Nashville. Um, That is a great point. In fact, I'm shocked that out of all those cities, that's not the first one that's mentioned. Also throw out there that I think New Orleans could still find a way to wrap its mind around baseball as long as the games are played in a dome. Yeah, you don't want to play outside in New Orleans, but I still think that that would be actually a city that could be underrated 
for that. But yes, any of these would be great. Um, I still think that London will eventually be a target as well once we get around 32 teams um, or 34, depending on how they want to go about this expansion project. Uh, but there's a lot of room for improvement. And uh, I think the MLB is an opportunity, especially after cutting out all these minor league teams. There's still a lot of great players out there that never get their shot because it's just so difficult to get into the MLB. So giving more opportunity, that's more opportunity for jobs within the league and also for people that are looking for a day job in a front office or even, uh, you know, somebody that's sweeping the stadium. It does not really matter. More teams means more economic growth within those cities. And so I would love to see that moving forward. That's a great point. Well, that's going to do it for this show of Booze and Baseball. He's Dusty Baker. I'm Derek Johnson. Don't forget to subscribe to us and give us a five-star review. And thank you to Man Cave Merch. We've got our awesome coasters. Love these. Uh, unfortunately, it's holding water today. And uh, let's hope it's holding something a little stronger in the future. <laughs> there you go. And it can hold it all. Man Cave merch. Check them out. Uh, we're on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and Amazon Audible. You can also follow us on social media at Booze in Baseball. Gmail, boozeinbaseball.com to ask us any questions. Thanks to Mix Kit for the stock music. Again, thank you to Man Cave merch. Drink responsibly. Have a good one. For Dusty Baker, I'm Derek Johnson. Cheers, everybody.